welcome to hit refresh podcast and here we are again today shooting an important guest episode so we have with us today ryan warner so ryan is basically a professor of communication based in canada he is also the director and executive coach at professional presentation services and with over a decade of professional speaking experience and expertise ryan has mastered the art of science art and science of enhancing communication so he has worked with business professionals and helped them deliver high quality presentations he also teaches students in higher education to achieve academic and professional success so ryan has also de- designed and developed more than 600 deliverable curriculum across eight areas so how have you been ryan thank you for having me i'm very happy to be here we are happy to have you here and so we'll start with your origins right so first of all we found your uh, background and everything very unique and the communication is such an important part for our students or we are just getting out in the scene pursuing the journey of like learning english we are told that read books you'll get vocabulary or watch like movies and stuff so from your childhood what is that one thing which like helped you improve your english per se your language vocabulary and everything So yeah in Canada growing up we have bilingual system so yeah I, I kind of a little bit of a background I grew up in Canada near in Niagara near Niagara Falls but um I've been in the United States I've been in Australia and I typically work out of New York and California now um however growing up in Canada we're bilingual so it's English and French and when when we're when we're studying in school it's very much the same as you you mentioned so read books practice uh you know phrasing and grammar and those types of uh, structural components if you will and then as you know when you hear when i heard certain adults speak they were not speaking at the same level i remember as a child hearing different people have a conversation and i think like wow some one person and one party is using so many higher level words and the other party is having difficulty and they're struggling and i remember i saw that and i said i know which person i want to be I want to be the person who doesn't have to stress about finding the right words, word choice or vocabulary to express themselves for the audience. And and yeah, that's kind of what propelled me. But uh in terms of what I did to improve my language, it was a lot of I I watched and I um immersed myself in many high-level speaking opportunities. So if there were a debate going on, if there was uh some kind of address happening or a speaking event, I would listen to their their phrases, their intonation, the way they delivered it, and then I would notice how the audience reacted and I was able to slowly put the pieces together. And it took some time. It doesn't happen overnight, but but yeah. I I'm happy I had a debate cuz uh most of a like one major part of a debate is like reacting to what the person has said and come up with a point uh, on the spot uh, when someone raises an argument you need to counter it and you need to think on the spot and yeah that really helps in so debates offer a unique opportunity for folks um if you're listening out there and you're not sure how the debate structure works it's don't worry about it they're not very common anymore but but typically what happens is uh there's two teams made up of individuals and they take turns um doing pro and anti uh points uh on a topic so someone should do this versus someone shouldn't do this and but what happens is you're not able to address it in real time so if someone makes a point and you want to counter it and you know they're wrong and you have a better idea you can't just stand up and say you're wrong and I'll tell you why because you have to wait so it's it's a little bit frustrating at first but what that teaches you to do is it teaches it gives you a moment to think and replan your response and in those moments you know i find myself thinking after my immediate you know instinct is to say you're wrong after you you learn to calm down and you take it in and you you think about it and you think you know what i don't think telling them they're wrong is the best approach right now i think i have to use other language to get them to agree that they're wrong or agree that there's another way so it it really helps you to understand human communication i mean the more someone tells you you're wrong the more you're going to stand by it even if you are wrong right so you have to find another avenue to get to them and that's what i was able to to kind of uncover over time and you no know, the quality also helps you in corporate world when you're with people and you're working with people and you have to tell someone that they're wrong but then you can't really tell them that they're wrong and the difference of opinion you get it's easier to convey your message uh, in a polite and proper way 
so i guess that that corporate uh, anecdote is a segue to our next question yeah so you have been with so many people you have like presentation is like a part of your business so so what was your best and what was your worst presentation experience you have had hmm good question i think the best presentation experience i had i i really enjoy when the clients i'm working with have uh, i call it like a, it's like an aha moment like they they realize right because so many people think to be an effective presenter is to be very charismatic and very enthusiastic and energetic hey, you know and, and be kind of just like control the room and have people hanging on your every word and they many people associate that the qualities of we would say like effective delivery strategies that's what i would call them their effective delivery strategies they associate that with um an effective presentation which is is not this not exactly the same there, there's many differences so i was working with a client once with a startup company and he was pitching for investment and i worked with him on his pitch we crafted we practiced we rehearsed for probably about two three weeks up leading up until well we, it was going back a months when we crafted it but it was two or three weeks of rehearsal and practice before he started pitching to investors and he felt he was a little bit of an introvert he was a little bit shy he was a little bit nervous and he didn't feel like he had the same delivery as say me or someone else who he'd seen on you know like steve jobs is the famous example or someone like this so he's like i want to speak like steve jobs i want to speak but the 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 issue is that even though like steve jobs was able to speak that way because he had all of these people who already knew who he was and they were anticipating his latest product reveal and he had a lot of things going for him at the time that it's difficult to manufacture stepping into that right so while well, i was working with this this gentleman and we got to the point where he kind of understood i don't think he fully understood but he agreed with me. He trusted me that as long as we had good structure and the right language and the timing was down, that even if you weren't overly enthused about your, about it and you weren't overly uh, you know, energetic, that it would still be a positive result. It would give you the best chance of success. That's what I always say. I said, this is your best, your best card to play. This will give you the best shot of success. And he believed me, trusted me. So we did it. And he didn't hear anything back for the first couple of days. And he was getting nervous. And he's like, I got to level up my speaking. I got to be a better speaker, Ryan. We got we to gotta practice, do weekly meetings and help me. But what ended up happening was on the fourth day, they contacted him and they said, we'd like to have a follow-up meeting. We want to hear more, which is if you're pitching for a startup, that's what you want to hear, right? You, you want that. Right? And he, following that, make a long story short, cut it short, they ended up getting the investment they wanted. It was a little bit over 12 million at the time. And I think they only wanted 10, but they got a little bit over 12 and he was like overly enthusiastic. He was like so excited and he was, he was telling me about it. He goes, I hey, guess what happened? And he was so like, I, it was just for me to hear him. Right. So I said, so what do you think now? Do you think that you were effective? And he's like, yes, like, clearly I was effective. I said, okay, so what did we learn here? Right? Like to effectiveness is not how you sound necessarily. Effectiveness is the result, right? That's, <laughs> that's what matters. Right? Would you rather have everyone in the room clap and, and say that was a great presentation and give you no money? Or would you rather them say, okay, well, think about it, leave, and then give you money, right? Because if, if you're in the startup world, you know, the, the funding is the lifeblood. Like you need that to, to propel yourself, right? So that would be the best. Oh yeah, totally. And like, I can, I guess we can understand that for a startup, getting more than you expect is like cloud nine. <laughs> That's like the best outcome <laughs> ever. And yeah and uh, we also want the worst because the reason we ask you the worst experience is because uh, you are good at what you do and presentations are one of like very important means to express yourself uh, through visual aids and everything so we want to know that you, there has to be a moment where you were bad at it and what did you learn from yeah sure i'll try uh, there's an there's an experience i'm thinking of i've never actually phrased it in this way before so it might take me a moment to organize it on the fly but Basically, what happened was I got hired to work with um, a company to do, um, they were doing a presentation. It, it wasn't a, a, an investment pitch, but I think it was a, a marketing plan or advertising, if my memory serves. This was about four or five years ago. Well, I'm just, I've done so many presentations. Sometimes they're hard to keep them all straight. 
but the, I was, um, it was a marketing and advertising plan that they were pitching to their uh, superiors and they were hoping to get it approved so that they could roll out for their advertising for their product. And what happened was they had heard about me. They got referred me from someone else and they asked me to come in. This is, in, it was in North Carolina. I remember I, I flew down there and I was working with them for a day and then we were brainstorming ideas and I was helping direct them and helping to focus what their, their content and their materials would be to design the presentation. And what happened at some point we got cut short, we were short on time. And the, the, what they wanted their team, I think there was like four or five members and what they wanted, they said, you know, Ryan, we're a little bit short on time right now. So we, we can't really, we won't be able to go through any, any of the training, but can you just build a deck for us? And at the time, I said, uh, I knew it wasn't the best move, but at the same time, I wanted to give them what they wanted and I wanted to help as much as I could. So I said, yeah, I, I cautioned them. I said, if that's what you'd like, I can, I can make you a deck, no problem. But I said, I have to, to tell you disclaimer, the deck is only, it's like the background, like you will be the front and center focus point. Like, and, and, and you need to understand that because you know, it, it's, it's not, it's like the background of a set in a movie, but the actors are what people are watching, right? So that that's, I, I kind of liken it to that. And I was trying to communicate that to them, but they were of the mindset, no, it's okay. We can deliver it. It's no problem. Just make sure whatever we, we spoke about today, if you can polish it up and you can put it in a deck, we'll be fine. So I said, okay. I said, yeah, I can, I can do that. No problem. So I ended up doing that for them. I did the deck, which designing a deck, you know, it's just, like I said, it's one component right? It's one piece of the, of the whole puzzle. So I designed the deck and I, I sent it to them and I asked them, I said, do you want to you come back and rehearse or we can rehearse on, on over zoom or virtually? And they said, no, we don't, we don't have time. It's in a couple of days and I'm okay. At least maybe go through one run through so I can give you some feedback. Uh, but no, they, they forfeited all of that. They didn't for, they forwent all of that and they went and did the presentation without it and it, it flopped. And they were stumbling over their words. They were trying to lean on the visual aids almost as if they were cue cards, but there wasn't much text on them because they're visual. They're meant to, you know, embellish and, and help support what the, the speaking, the delivery was. So unfortunately they were drawing many blanks, not to mention they were nervous because they hadn't prepared in front of anyone before. So they weren't speaking. They didn't have their full uh, operating capacity, I say, because it's taking up space. Their nerves are taking up space in their mind. And ultimately, yeah, it, it fell, it fell flat and they didn't get approved and they were frustrated with it. And they were asking me, what if we did something different with the design and this and that. And over time, I ended up working with them a handful of times more. And the, the next time I worked with them and we did training, they saw the difference and they realized, okay, now we have confidence. Now we can speak more effectively. But, but yeah, that was to me, I, I find it uh, as a personal it was a big learning experience for me for, from now on. I don't just simply design decks and send them anymore. Like I won't do that. If a client asks me for that, I'll tell them, no, I'll say, I, I'll work with you on it, but I'm not just going to make it and send it to you because that's setting you up to fail. That's not setting you up for success because then people think it's, they're just going to lean on the deck, which is not a positive uh, strategy. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's not a, not a situation you really need to be in. Like uh, we can totally relate with it because we had this uh, experience like, uh, a uh, couple of episodes before we were shooting a normal episode and uh, like we didn't prepare anything we just went there and it literally took two hours for us to shoot a normal 15 minute episode and so yeah we really relate with you yeah for sure one thing uh, we have for this episode is that we'll divide it into two parts and uh, the first part will be focused on delivery and the second will be focused on message now uh, the delivery and message is not restricted to a presentation it could be even a speech or anything for that matter okay let's just go with presentation for the, for an example so that our listeners can understand it better and so now delivery can have body language vocal projection language and uh vocabulary everything and message will contain of the content that you're presenting to the audience or the visually how visually appealing it is yeah so the first part is delivery and one of the questions we have is that due to the pandemic everything has gone online overnight and the people who used to give presentations in a big hall and auditorium have now suddenly they're constricted to a box on a zoom meeting 
and they are talking to other people and boxes and the whole uh, atmosphere has changed so what are the difference in tips like for your uh, clients or students that about a regular zoom meeting versus a presentation that is with people in the room okay so yeah some things definitely change I'll, i can and i wrote an article on this recently on my website uh, present professionalpresentationservices.com but one of the one of the key differences from a presenter's point of view or a speaker's point of view is it's not the physical room it's not it's being able to see people's faces and in some cases when we're presenting online some folks have their cameras turned off and when they have their cameras turned off you can't see them as a presenter you're a little bit out to sea like without a you, you don't know you don't know what direction you're going because if you're an effective presenter you need to be connected with your audience because your focus is having your audience understand what you want them to understand right like that's that's the key so you're reading their faces and you're reading their body language while you're delivering and you're adjusting your approach in real time to increase your probability of success and if something's not if if you see confused faces and they're they're not understanding you then you rephrase what you just said or you use an analogy or you find another path you you know as an experienced presenter you have these tools in your toolkit that you pull out when you need them to achieve your your end but online if there's no faces you're almost just trudging through just go just going through and hoping and you know you do the check-ins like does anyone have any questions and and things like that but it's still it still happens like it's it's still people would prefer not to turn on their cameras if they don't have to they can just passively listen and that doesn't really help the presenter so the first piece of advice is if you're presenting you, you need to kind of be prepared for that so that might happen to you it's not a reflection on you don't let it don't let it uh, uh cut too deep just continue on and and do the best you can and then check in afterwards because you're not going to get that real-time feedback most of the time the other thing i would say if you're presenting online having a moderator helps a lot so having a moderator to field the questions so you can say, you know type in any questions use the chat feature as much as you'd like and the moderator will will address them or they will save them up bank them until a certain period of uh, break time and then the presenter will address them then that's very effective as well presenting online there's a couple other tricks you can do if, if you're nervous there's there's many things you can do you can you know drinks have some water on hand and drink water beforehand that when you have water in your system it, it kind of uh, helps calm down the nerves of course you can always slow your breathing many of the, the clients i work with now they have some uh, speaking anxiety and they have uh, they want to increase their speaking confidence so we teach i teach them breathing strategies so that not only so that they calm themselves down and they're more relaxed but obviously when we're relaxed we think more clearly we're more confident we can you know obviously we can uh, navigate situations much easier when we're relaxed but also what the breathing does and when we we use our full lungs not just the top of our lungs which is what happens when we're nervous when we use our full lung capacity we speak more clearly we sound more confident it has a you know a myriad of benefits so breathing beforehand and calming yourself down is very very effective yeah so like if, if we consider a person who is who has just delivered online who's just started his career in the pandemic and all of his life has just been presenting online so when everything moves offline when there's a room full of people like how how will he cope with that like will he need to change his strategies and everything like obviously will he need to change how 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 will that happen then okay so in that case yeah there's a couple stretch for me it's it's almost like a like i feel like my desk and my office is almost like uh for me i feel like it's it's, it's like a jail cell i don't like it i like to be standing up i like to be moving i like to be but for some folks i'm well aware they're more comfortable behind the screen behind the keyboard so i would encourage them the first step is uh, and, and this applies to anything but especially when you're speaking if you can under get it gain an understanding of what you're walking into you'll be much more effective so that's why i said earlier understand going from in person to virtual understand that it's going to be different and you might not see faces if you have that understanding it'll be easier for you to deal with when you when it happens so just like the same logic applies when you're speaking in person when you go to speak in person understand that the people are going to be listen they might be checking their phones they're going to be you're going to be able to look at them the whole time 
under know where your visual aids will be. Will they be to your right or to your left? Right? Will you have to stand behind a podium or a lectern, or will you be able to move around? Right? So knowing the the actual location is is very important. And once you go there, and it, it, if you you, I usually encourage people to you know kind of scout it out ahead of time and go there and check it out. And then if you can, you see it and you see kind of like what your what your uh, your vision will be or what your uh, po point of view will be and et cetera, you'll have a better time anticipating what it will be like and you'll have a much better chance of success and being able to deliver effectively. So one thing, uh, so this is coming to our message segment now. And uh, because you have mentioned that some many times people are checking their phones, uh, sometimes people are dozing off, and sometimes even though your content is really great, uh, people don't seem to connect with you and the presentation seems uh, like you are giving your best and you're doing the best you can, but the audience mm -hmm. is still not connecting with you. They are still, they're like, they just want to get out of that room as soon as possible. They're just waiting for you to just stop talking so that this call can end. So in that kind of a case, what do you advise your clients to do? Yeah, I've actually had that. I mean, that happens to everyone, I think, at some point. Um, I, I, I've had that happen to me in the past as well. And in one of my situations, again, it was another eye-opening experience for me because there was a gentleman in the front row and he continued to uh, look at his phone and then he would look down and then, you know, five minutes later, he'd look at his phone again. And and I'm, I hold myself to a very high standard when I'm speaking. I want everyone's eyes on me. So I'm, I was really trying to use every tool I could find to try to re-engage these folks and asking them questions and trying to, to realign them. But what happened was, so after the presentation was over, I approached, I, I'm a very curious person by nature. So I approached the, the gentleman and I asked him, I said, I asked him, I said, sir, was there something that it was amiss with my presentation? Did it, did you not enjoy it? Or was it not relevant to you? Like, could you, I really appreciate your feedback. And he said, you know, he's like, Ryan, it's not you. He's like, I'm, I'm sure it was great. He's like, I'm having some family issues at the moment. I have other problems I have to deal with. And I, okay, it was, you know, that, that when we're up on stage, we think we are the center of the world, right? We don't realize there's 7 billion other people in the world with their own problems and their own things happening. So it's very important for you to remember that when you're speaking, if people's eyes are not on you, it's not because they're bored and they want to go shopping on Amazon. It's not because they want to check out what's happening on Instagram. I mean, it may be, but more often than not, that's not the issue. They, they have something else that they need to attend to, okay? Especially in business, because in business, people are in the meeting and they're expected to be apprised of what happens afterwards. Because if they make a mistake afterwards based off something they should have heard or should have known, it's on them, right? It's their responsibility. So those types of, of situations are really like eye-opening. So I would tell you, if you're in that situation where you're speaking and you see people looking at their phones or looking away, I mean, try, you can try to re-engage them, try asking them questions, trying to you know, refocus them using a couple strategies, but don't, don't burn yourself out. Don't go overboard because many of the time, much of the time, it's not on you. It's not your response. You're doing the best you can with the time you have. And you have to be confident of that when you step into it. Yeah, the spotlight that you're in on the stage kind of kind of makes you think that, okay, it's, it's all about me right now. And you kind of zone out the fact that there are so many people there with you and they have their own lives, they have their own. So yeah, I'm glad you covered that point. No problem, happy to. Yeah, so one question we had is that we have, uh, we know that how uh, people use visual aids and they're very important and how people focus uh, on the importance of visual aids and uh, to make the presentation formal, we shouldn't be using jargons or slangs, etc. in the uh, commonly heard points. So what are a few points that uh, you can specify to your students and clients for presentations to keep the presentation formal and not make it really sound like off the topic. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, so a, a friend of mine, he's um, very, uh, he's a high up in the, the finance world. He's the director of financial planning and him and I, we, we chat on a regular basis and he, him and I were, were speaking recently and he was talking about, you know, he's worked at you know a few companies over the last five, six years and they're all massive media companies in North America. They're the big media conglomerates. 
And I had asked him, I, he was telling me about his CEOs and the CFOs and the different, the, the top level position, the leadership team, C-suite positions. And he was describing, he was telling him about, you know, this person was a little bit different than that person. And he was describing how they were differently in the different positions that the different uh, workplaces that he worked. And I asked him, I said, do they have anything in common? And he's like, yeah, the first thing that they, they probably have more than, than one, but the first thing that springs to mind is he's like, they're all super effective communicators. He's like, they can speak perfectly. And I said, what does that mean? Speak perfectly. And he's like, it means that whoever they're speaking to, whether they're speaking to entry level people or partners, or whether they're speaking to the, the board of, of executive, doesn't matter who they're speaking to, they change their language and they make sure the audience receives exactly what they need to receive to go on and do what they want them to do. And we kind of, I, I, I really reinforced that message. In fact, I wrote an article on it because that is what an effective communicator can do. An effective communicator can change the vocabulary, can change the language for the audience to receive it optimally, right? To achieve your best outcome. That's what you want. So how does that apply here? Well, it applies here because the students, I mean, if you're going into your job, you're, you're millennial or you're Gen Z and you're going into your first career, maybe you're working with folks who are 40, 50 years old and who've been working for 25 years at the same company and they have these expectations of how things are done. In that case, you definitely want to familiarize yourself with their terminology, with the language that they use so you can use it right? It's not because you want to be like them. It's not because that's the, the path to success. It's because the more vocabularies you have, the more different kind of, we call them meta languages or pseudo languages, which is like the terms of patterns of speech within a language. The more that you have, the better your communication will be for your circumstances. So if you're speaking to a group of senior, uh, you know, senior executives or people who've worked for many years in the same organization, you're using language that they can easily process and understand and then make a decision on you're not using language that's familiar to you and your friends or your classmates that it would take them an extra second or two to process it because then you're you're taxing them we call that you're increasing their cognitive load the more time they spend the more energy they spend trying to decipher and interpret what you mean the less likely they are to do it right so that's that's where that comes into play but I will say this conversely, as more and more millennials and Gen Z enter the workplace, it's also some of the responsibility falls on the, the generation that's already there, that's existing in the workplace. They should be striving. They should be making an effort to, to improve their vocabulary because they, that's the, the path. Communication is a two-way street, right? So it, it's not just incumbent on the on the millennials and the Gen Z. I think it's, it's a, it's a two way street and everyone should be, if you want to optimize your communication, learn as many different patterns of speech as you can and know which situations to employ, which ones. And that is the path to success. Like, as you said, like you all of the people need to follow the current trends and you can't be left behind. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so yeah, today with uh, social media, every person, uh, uh, on the, on, every corner of the planet is connected like you can literally text anyone from anywhere and uh, so yeah so does it uh, disable the ability of people to speak publicly because everyone is texting and every nobody is uh, like every literally all the messages can be converted uh, conversed through text so so how has public speaking affected uh, has been affected by social media the change in technology, social media, and the advancements in technology, what that has done is definitely that has given people an out, that has given people an option or to not speak publicly or to speak publicly less, less often. Okay, because if they can communicate the same message um, through technology to a group of large group of people, it makes it easier, right? However, it's more efficient, you would say. However, it's only more efficient in theory. There, there's many problems with it. Okay, so let me focus them. First thing is, the more people use social media and technology, the more speaking anxiety they will have because they don't have as much practice and exposure doing it. So therefore, every time when they, they are forced, there's no way out to do it. Like I can't tell you how many clients I work with that they call in sick or they find on the day they have to speak or present, or they, they find an excuse not to do it, or they say, I'm not going to be here today. I don't know when I'll get a chance to, but here, I'll just send you my slides and my notes, right? And it, it, it's that level of fear that, that, that 
escalates that builds because they didn't have the exposure in, in the practice. I'm sure there's many other reasons. Like, uh, you know, everyone experiences different levels of anxiety naturally, but they get definitely get amplified. I, I do believe me personally, it's just my, my personal view. I think social media and the advancement technology has reduced the opportunities for people to speak publicly in their younger days in their, you know, in their schools and in their university, higher education and early entry level jobs. And then because of that, when it is time for them to speak, many of them, they have a greater challenge to face. So that's, that's one thing um, that I think in the research supports that as well. But um, the, uh, the other component that, that kind of, that continues that we continue to see is that when you're communicating to people via text or, or via, you know, everyone's getting emailed the PDF instead of going to the presentation, what happens is you don't know if the people actually read it. And even if they read it, you don't know if they understood it right? and you don't know. So the presentation ensures that everyone has received the same information at the same time and any questions, any concerns were alleviated in that time. There's no back and forth. There's no, you know, there, there's no email. What did you mean by this? Are you sure you want this? Did you mean this instead? And the back and forth clarification that kind of gets alleviated. And I mean, and if you look across the board in the professional world of which I'm kind of in both, I'm in the higher education world as a professor and I'm in the professional world as a coach and a consultant and, and, and a trainer. And I can't say the, the, the people who get promoted, who are ambassadors of the, for the company and people who speak on behalf, if, if you want to get promoted in your job, you want to ascend, learn to speak well, like you like learn to practice, practice speaking well, practice expressing yourself well. Those are the folks that the companies will, will lean on when there comes to, we need an ambassador for the company who we can trust to speak on the company's behalf. We need someone who can represent us, right? They're not going to go to the person who can text, you know, 500 words a minute. They're going to go for the person who can speak well, is well received and has a, a you know, a pleasant audience, et cetera. Okay. That's, that's the, um, and if you look across the board too, if you look at like the, the most successful people and when they send their children to school, when they, what do they study? They study literary arts. It, it's crazy. But if you, you look at the, the numbers, I've seen it. They, they, you, you, the most successful people understand you need to be able to speak to be successful, right? You can't just be a master engineer and expect to be the CTO, right? The person who's a CTO is either the co-founder of the company or someone who can really articulate themselves and communicate well across or through a number of different teams and navigate different channels, right? Because the CTO is going to have to talk to investors at some point. They're also going to have to talk technical language, to their team. They're also going to have to, you know, <clears throat> weigh in on other, you know, uh, propositions, for example, right? We need this built. Okay. How long is it going to take? How much time will we have? How many people can we dedicate to it? All of these questions kind of come into play. Yeah, no, exactly. So like with email coming in, you just have to type the their email ID, CC, BCC, and that's fine. That's done. Your message has been put across to like 100 people. But the same when it comes to being in a room and talking to 100 people, your people get intimidated. And uh, one another thing I'd like to uh, like uh, add to the conversation is that many times what it happens, or it also has happened to us, that before any episode, even with a guest, or anything when we're talking to each other we're totally calm we're totally calm we're having a laugh we have we're enjoying planning what we're going to do next and uh, but as soon as you click on the start recording button <laughs> you we find ourselves like fumbling or now i guess this our case is a very less but there are people who are like extremely scared of it or they are, they feel anxious about it so but then the same people when they're talking to the friend uh, group of the group of friends uh, it's a piece of cake for them so what do you mm -hmm. advise them okay so i would say this i would say and this is it's very common uh, i'll use an analogy so like for example when you're running if you think about what your hands what your arms and what your feet are doing while you're running you are not going to run effectively like you're going to make mistakes you're going to have problems okay if you're running and you're looking at your destination, the finish line, except a, a point you want to get to, your arms and your legs will take care of themselves. Right? And you will focus on that point. You apply the same logic to speaking. Okay. Now, you, so when you're speaking, if I'm speaking to, to, to you two gentlemen, I am trying to clarify myself as much as I can so that you understand me clearly and you, you know, can go on, you receive the message I intend. And so that that's that's my goal. So everything else, the word choice, 
the phrasing, the my timing, my my pauses, etc. That that's subconscious. I don't think about that, right? All I'm what I'm focusing on is for is that I get the message to you. I'm reading your body language, seeing if you're nodding or if you look confused or seeing what happens, and then I can adjust my approach. Okay, that that's that's the key. So the the building your vocabulary, the practicing, the rehearsing, that's beforehand. So if we're using the running analogy, that's like before, okay, making sure you, you step properly, making sure your arms are in, in, you know, in sync with your feet and you're timing up. But then when it's time to go, when it's time to speak, then you're not worried about them. Then you're focusing on it. It's like practicing for a sport, right? You practice the skills, but in a game, you're not going to actually practice making a pass. Like you're going to only make one if you need to. So that, that's the, what I would apply to speaking. Doesn't matter whatever level you're at, all the practice and rehearsal takes place before. When the spotlight's on you, as you say, when the spotlight's on you, your job is to get through to the, to connect with the audience and send them your message and have them receive your message. That's your goal, right? And the words, the language, you have to trust that those will come out. And once you do it a few times, you'll be, you'll, you'll get the hang of it. it it'll come, you'll be more confident that it will come to you because it's always come to you in the past at that point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's where I want to hit because uh, we've been doing this for a while now and uh, we see us progressing with each episode, getting better and better. But at the end of the day, when you like listen to the, when we listen to our own podcast, then we find more mistakes and we are then more self-conscious about it. And we're more or oh, like thinking about, wait, when I talk normally, I have none of these problems. <laughs> but suddenly when I'm talking to this person, and I'm pretty sure if this was not online and we were just having a chat in real life, it would be pretty smooth. But then now that we have a recording and like we have a, something is at stake, everything is currently like at the moment, everything becomes something like very important and people start to struggle. So that was one thing we want to cover. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's because you're, it's what's happening. Like I could see it. it you're, you're second guessing yourself. Like while you're speaking, you're analyzing your word choice. And you're 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 trying to come up with the right phrases while you're trying to deliver, right? So yeah. you're doing two things at the same time, which is which is what and, and doing two things at the same time it makes people stressed out naturally, right? <laughs> trying to do two things at the same time stresses people out naturally. And then on top of that, you're thinking, oh, if this is recorded and people hear me, they might judge me, they might think I'm not a good speaker, or they might think like this is amateur, etc. Right. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things happening in your mind. I would encourage you if I would, if I were giving you advice, or I would say you need to make some decisions beforehand, right? So yeah, I'm not going to worry about how I sound today. I'm not going to worry about this. This is what I'm going to do. And as soon as that record button comes on, I'm just going to talk to Ryan and we're going to have a good conversation. Whatever happens, happens. Right. And then you need to, it's like compartmentalizing and then you need to stick with that. And then if you can do that, that'll get easier over time. If you can do that, you'll level up your speaking and you're, you'll find you're more engaged with the person and less caught up in, am I going to sound okay? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And this is something for us to apply and for our listeners also take it as a metaphor for your own struggles, which you have and whatever uh, you're going through. So yeah, one, another question, uh, which is again, for, from our listeners perspective is that uh, we are students as i said we are in the next year we'll be having uh, jobs and we like we'll be applying for jobs and everything so what are like three top three tips that you would tell a student who has just uh, joined his company and is about to get in outside the scene in the industry and everything uh, with respect to communication hmm i just wrote a book called the effective presenter and that's going to come out. It comes out actually in, in December, right before Christmas this year, in December, right before the holidays. And the three foundations are audience, purpose, and time, uh, logistics. Okay. Those three things in any communication scenario, any situation you need to communicate in, the more you know about those three things, the more successful you will be. Okay. So the first one, like a purpose or a, I call it desired outcome. What do you want to happen as a result of this communication or of this exchange? Whether it's a presentation or whether you're asking your boss for time off, whatever it is, okay, you need to know ahead of time, what do I want to happen? Okay. You need as specific as possible, right? So if you're, you're giving a presentation and you want people to be more aware of what your market research says or what you, with the projects you're working on, you're giving them an update. You want them at the end of that update to know exactly what you know 
uh, and what your next steps are. So they know what you've done and what you're going to do next. Okay. You need to have a firm understanding of that. You can't, many people have, they, they make the mistake of going in thinking I'm going to do my best or I, I, what do what do you want to happen at the results? I ask them all the time. I want this to be over. That's, that's a great outcome. You know what I mean? Like in this situation, we're not running a race, right? We're like, we're painting a picture. So rushing to paint the picture is not going to help, right? We need to make sure the communication is effective. It's going to land the way we want it to land. So knowing what you actually want as an outcome, what your target outcome is, that's important. Number two is your audience. And many people say this, it kind of, sometimes it, it sticks in my craw. We say, they say, oh, you have to know your audience. Your audience is the most important stakeholder. You need to know your audience, but no one ever tells students, what does that mean? Like, what do I need to know about them? And, and once I know it, okay, how does that help me? Then what do I do? Right? Like the, these, these are the, the, the gaps that people don't connect for, for people who are just entering the workplace or for, for people who've never done presentations or had speaking events before. Okay. So what you want to know about your audience, you want to know what type of information they prefer. What do they like? Do they like graphs and charts? Do they like pictures? Do they like uh, facts and equations? Do they like numbers. How do they like their information? Right. It might be hard for you to find out if you haven't been in a presentation with them before. But if you can, or if you talk to someone who, who, who knows your audience, right? And you always want to think about, this is a good tip. Think about one person, okay? Who's the decision maker? Who's the most important person that you need in your presentation? And you create your presentation for them, okay? If you're, if you're making a presentation in the workplace. If it's your direct supervisor, that's who it is. Everyone else is peripheral, okay? They're, they're less, don't worry about them. You'll have a greater chance of success overall if you focus on one person. If you try to focus on everyone, your presentation will likely be disorganized and less coherent. So focus on one person and you'll have the, the best chance of success. Pick out the, the decision maker. Then knowing your audience, how does that help you? How does that apply? Well, if you know, for example, that your audience is, you know, they don't have a lot of time and they have 15 other things to do. They, they, they make decisions effectively and efficiently. They make them quickly. You want to give them headlines only. We say main facts, Okay, not, not much supporting detail, just the main facts, maybe some visuals to help bring them to life, some graphs, et cetera. And then you encourage them, say, please, if you have any questions, um, if you have any questions or you would like more detail on this information, feel free to ask me. For time's sake, I omitted them from this presentation. I know your time's valuable, but I'm happy to go in depth on whatever you like. Okay? That way they know that you're sending a signal to them. This person is prepared. This person is professional. This person cares about my time. And this person has done the work. And if I want it, I can find it from them. I would like to work with this person. Yeah. All five things are very good for your career success. Okay. For to build your own personal brand, as we call it. Then the third part is, is logistics and timing. This is often overlooked as well. I can't tell you how many people, they, they don't look at all three of them. They just open PowerPoint or they open Keynote, Google Slides, they start making slides. Okay. That, that is a recipe for disaster. Do not do that. Um, step number three. So once you know, you need to know how much time you have to communicate again, where you'll be communicating, where you'll be presenting. Will it be online? Will it be in person? What will the venue look like? Those are questions you need answers to because they will help you become more effective. Once you know what you're working with, you can't do a 30 minute presentation in 10 minutes. It doesn't work. You need to be selective, pick out what are the most important things and then let the audience know there's much more uh, I could elaborate on, but for time's sake, unfortunately I had to forego it. Um, please let me know if you'd like any more detail. I'm happy to, to spend some time with you and bring you up to speed on whatever you'd like. Okay. Those are the phrases you want to use that signal to your audience. Those five things that are crucial. No, that's, that's great. Yeah. I guess you covered everything, which is like very crucial and that like you have to keep in mind before you go and Another question I had that uh, while you're on the topic of students, like uh, how are the students today? Like you have been working with MBA students and all the millennials and Gen Zs as you refer. So how is the quality mm -hmm. today? They uh, When they come out in the market, when they come out uh, directly to the corporate job, so how do they prefer? How do they do their jobs? Like I just- Well, if to... I've taught them, if, if I've taught them, they do excellent. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, so they, they generally they're like I said, the common trait that I've experienced with, with many of the, the students I work with is they, they feel a great deal of anxiety. 
Um, they feel nervous because they feel like it's not a classroom where students are told to listen to your classmates' presentation, right? They're going into a, a boardroom where there's, you know, maybe 30 people and 10 of them are, they're not really there. They're not mentally there. They're, they're somewhere else and they're on their phones sending emails or doing things that they deem are more important, right? So having them, you know, the understanding that you will have to deal with that. It's not a reflection on you. It's just that that's the corporate world that might happen. Right. So having uh, instilling those understandings in them, I think that's one of the, the biggest attributes that I, I bring to the table is I help people understand what the reality is, what the, they're walking into and what the actual expectation is of them. Because if they have a different expectation, they put a lot of pressure on themselves that is needless and it, pressure doesn't help. Okay. Pressure doesn't make diamonds. Unfortunately, it, it's good to prepare. But pressure is not good when you're delivering. It, it, it has a you know counter effect, a, you know, not a good effect. So, so that's what I would say uh, to that. the the students who are going into the transitioning into the workplace now. They would be well served to remember who their audience is in terms of how they like listening, what kind of information is important to them, and then you're giving them that information, right? They don't want to have to cut through all the fluff, all the other stuff that's not pertinent to them. Know what's important to people, and that's what you want to speak to them about. Yeah, and okay, so we have a, a segment where for every guest, and mm -hmm. uh, there, there are two questions that we ask, and Prana will do the honors. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so the first question is, uh, what is the best mistake that you have done in life? So one mistake that I learned from the most is that people don't, when you ask someone, what do you need help on? What they say they need help on isn't actually more often than not, that's not the problem. So I would say people are unaware of their own strengths and weaknesses, and they often misdiagnose the, the, the issue. That's what I would say. I, I've worked with so many people who say like, I just need help with my delivery. All my, my content, my, my presentations are fine. I just can't deliver it. But then when you get, when I start digging into it with them, you realize, well, they don't have the confidence because they don't have a structure. They don't have, the, they haven't chosen the best information. They're not sure the audience is going to, it's going to be important to the audience, right? They're hoping it is, but they're like, I don't know. I don't really know if the audience needs to hear this or if this is going to be boring for them, right? So if that's where you stand when you're presenting, of course, it's going to impede your presentation. Of course. Because you're, you're going to be wondering the whole time, am I doing the right thing? But, and again, that's why I, I wrote my book so that if people follow the steps in the book, they will, they won't have to worry about that. Then they can deliver confidently. Then they can deliver effectively because they will know that they've completed everything and that they've left nothing to chance. Right. So I would say that's the biggest lesson I've learned is that so many times when people come to me and they say, I need you to, I just need a slide deck, for example, or I just need, you know, uh, practice for this one scenario what they really need is, is likely something else. And then the task is on me. I have to spot that, identify it. And then I have to show it to them, persuade them that it's actually not what you, you need something else. You thought you needed this. and I understand why, but I think you'd have better results if we tried this instead. Right. And in fact, I, and most of the time I know, but I try to use soft language because I don't want to discourage them. But, but yeah, that's, that's typically, that's probably the biggest, biggest thing that I've learned is that people often mistakenly diagnose themselves. Yeah, okay. That's that's really nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the second question is, uh, what are some like you have written many books? Uh, so what are some books and movies that changed your life? I got asked this question recently too. Uh, one book that I would recommend to everyone out there, if you want to increase your speaking and increase your own influence over other people, there's a book. It's a little bit older. Um, I think it was it was re rewritten in like the eighties. 1980s but it's an extremely valuable book it's called how to win friends and influence people okay. i'm reading that book right now <laughs> oh it's it's perfect. brilliant it's yes. perfect. <laughs> smart man yes yeah that's that's an excellent book and it really helps you to understand and in that book there's so many examples of extremely successful people that yeah. are also effective communicate like it's very difficult to be successful if you cannot communicate yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it makes it so much more challenging. Um, and people, they, they fight it. They have this thought in their head. Many people think, you know, I've never been good at communicating. Therefore, I will never be good at communicating. Yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, communication skills, they're not like your height. Like, it's not like it can't be changed. 
you can change them. It's like your flexibility, actually. Like the more you stretch, the more you flexible you become. That's what it's, it's more similar to. You can improve your own communication skills. And then whatever you want, there's no stopping you. Like I can't tell, I go back to years ago, the articles I've written and some of the chapters and books I've written like two, three years ago, I look at them now and be like, oh, I should have rephrased that. No, I didn't. But at the time I thought that was effective and it probably still is a little bit effective, but now like you, you're all, I'm always improving. And that's what I encourage everyone to do. You can always improve, right? And as you're improving, you'll find you have more opportunities. That's the key. You'll get more opportunities because you're speaking better and because you're communicating more effectively. The second book I'd recommend, and this is, I'll, I'll, I'll stop it too. And this book is tiny. Okay. It's like a, it's like the size of a passport, literally. That's how big it is. And it's called managing oneself It's by a very famous, uh, author. His name is Peter Drucker. He's a bestseller. I think he was a Harvard professor. He's written many, many books. It's called managing oneself. This book, the, the core, what it captures is to know your strengths and know your weaknesses and put yourself in situations to enhance your strengths. Okay. To, to the, your strengths will shine through and pay more dividends, right? Everyone has a, has one or two things they're exceptional at that pay a higher rate of return than others. So he'd say, put yourself, find situations. And in the book, it outlines different strategies and different ways to do that and to identify what your strengths are, etc. Even in communication, he's like, he says, people are typically either better at reading or better at listening. Very rare. Someone good at both. So know which one you're better at. And then Put yourself in situations where that happens more often. It's a very, anyone who's entering their career right now, yeah, please have a look at this book. It will help you tremendously, I promise. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for coming here. And this has been a productive conversation. Uh, we have learned a lot. Our listeners must have taken a lot of things to think upon and improve themselves. Yeah, that really has been nice. Uh, we have uh, gotten really different insights about communication and uh... Yeah, it, it overall, it really has been a nice experience talking to you. It's, it's my pleasure. I love helping students, especially in higher education, at higher education, and especially in engineering. So, yeah, uh, for for both of you or for any of the listeners out there, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want my help with something, I'd be happy to help. Uh, you know, my email it's it's Ryan at professionalpresentationservices.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And yeah, if you, if you just want to chat or you want my insight or you want my advice on something, yeah, please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help you become successful. We'll add all his links and emails, everything in our description so everyone can check it out. And thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Sounds good.